This is the 12th message in a series of 13 titled, What Should I Believe About the Return of Christ? Did you know that in the New Testament there are no less than 318 references to Christ's return? If you would like a contrast, there are about 70 references to repentance. There are 19 references to water baptism and 6 to Holy Communion. You might get the idea that our Lord wants us mindful of this event. Jesus himself said in John 14, 3, I will come again. In Acts 1.11, the angel said, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, where we read together today, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. There is no question at all, if you are a person of the book, but that Jesus Christ plans to intervene in the affairs of men. He's coming again. There are three points that I want to leave you today, and they are easy to remember. They all begin with the letter R. The first one has to do with the reason for his return. The second one deals with the reunion. And the third, the readiness. First, let us look at the reason. Have you ever thought why the Lord wants to return? There are some reasons. The first one is obvious. He said, I will come again so that where I am, there you may be also. Hang on to your seat. He wants us to be with him. How about that? Broken pieces of clay. People of imperfection. People of sin, disobedience, brokenness, rebellion. He wants us to be with him. And that's why he's going to come back. He wants to receive us. In the fall, fellowship with God was broken. In his return... He is going to restore everything that was lost in the rebellion of the Garden of Eden. And that makes me to marvel. A pastor in the Midwest had a placard of two words on the back of his office door. So when you walked in, shut the door, you'd look at these two words. It said, perhaps today. It was a reminder to him every day that before the next telephone call, perhaps before the next meeting, perhaps. Before the next sermon, perhaps. It's a reminder to all of us 
before the next meal, perhaps. Maybe before another Sunday, perhaps he may come. Before that conference that you have designed for your business, perhaps he may come. Before all of the plans that you have so neatly laid are to be unveiled, he may come, perhaps today. And we need to let that get a hold of our hearts. Not only did Jesus say that I want you where I am, but the other writers of the New Testament used this as a great theme. For example, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10 said, And how you turned away from idols to God to serve the true and living God and to wait for his Son to come from heaven, his Son Jesus, whom he raised from death and who rescues us from God's wrath that is to come. Now, there are some folk who say the church is going to go through the tribulation. I'm not planning on that personally. Now, if they want to, that's their business, but I'm not planning on that. Paul said his son Jesus, whom he raised from death, that's the one I know, that Jesus is going to rescue us from God's wrath that is to come. God has not appointed us to wrath, but to mercy. Paul said that he wants to receive us so that we don't have to go through the wrath that is going to come upon the unbeliever. Peter joins in, 1 Peter 1.13. Have your minds ready for action then. Keep alert and set your hope completely on the blessing which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. He had it in his heart. The greatest event to come. The revelation of Jesus Christ. James, half-brother of Jesus, in James 5, verse 8 said, And you also must be patient. Keep your hopes high, for the day of the Lord's coming is near. It's an impetus to hope. It's an impetus to right thinking. It's an impetus to keep from despair. He's coming, James said. He wants us to be with him. John, the beloved disciple, said in 1 John 3, 2, when Christ appears, we shall become like him because we shall see him as he really is. The thing that we've been hoping for, praying for, working for, trying to get our lives ready for, in an instant it's going to happen. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Oh, my, I look forward to that. So does my wife. To think that her husband will be like Jesus. That excites her a great deal. That's a prospect that she holds on to with great tenacity. You understand that? We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Nate Saint wrote in his diary just two weeks before his martyrdom at the hands of the Alka Indians these words. May this new year be one filled with spiritual blessings and with an increased knowledge of the Lord Jesus. May we all feel his presence and the imminence of his return as never before. 
Then he said, God forbid that the incredible rush toward the consummation of all things might become trite to us as we watch it develop on the world scene. And I want to repeat today, God help us if we get so used to this idea, this truth, this Bible doctrine that it does not excite us anymore, that it does not keep our heads looking toward the sky and our ears tuned toward the sound. We believe he's coming, and we believe he's coming soon. Not only is he coming because he wants us to be with him, but he's coming to reward us. The day Christendom longs for is the day of reward. Now, this weekend I attended graduation, one institution. We have some graduations of our own coming up. It's graduation time. There is no feeling like having gone through the school and stand before the superintendent and have him hand you a diploma or a degree, and you are what is called graduated. That's a reward for all that work. And you sort of say, ha, I told you I could make it. And you walk proudly off because you've done the job. It's kind of like payday. You've worked for two weeks or a week or a month, and they hand you that envelope which says your pay increase will become effective as soon as you do. I'm, no, that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> Inside of that envelope, there is a check in payment of services rendered. It's, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That wasn't in the notes here. That, that was just inspired. But we all understand rewards. Now, I run around a lot and folk get real spiritual sometime around me. They want to impress me. Bless the Lord, I'm not in it for the reward. Well, I am. Why, I am. My goodness, I wouldn't put up with all this if there wasn't some reward connected with it. All the guff I take, if there was no reward, <laughs> not on your life. Boy, I'm looking to the day I walk in front and Jesus gives me something. I'm ready. I want to just walk around. Give it to me. I'm ready for whatever it is. I'm not so spiritual, but that I'm looking forward to that. Why not? That's what the Bible says. In Matthew 16, 27, the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Are you faithful? Are you sloughing off? Each will be rewarded according to his works. That's why he's going to return. He wants to reward all of us according to our faithfulness. I'm looking forward to it. There's another reason why he's going to return, and that's to resurrect us. The dead are going to rise first. We read about it. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet them in the air. But the dead are going to come to life. Oh, what a mess. The cemeteries of the world will be on that day. Nothing will hold back the people of God. They're going to rise and their body is going to be joined with their soul. Nothing is wasted with God. Every particle of dust that went in to make us will come back into being again in a body. 
like Jesus had a body when he was resurrected and taken to be with the Father, we shall all be changed. That's a slogan that was put up in our nursery one day. We shall all be changed. But it means more than that. It's more than for the babies. We shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This mortal will put on immortality. Hallelujah. And we will be like him. No more problems with these bodies. They're going to be perfect. Lacking nothing. He wants to resurrect us. And you know this theme is as old as the Bible? They think perhaps the oldest book in the Bible is not the book of Genesis, but the book of Job. And Job said, Though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I'm going to see God. Now how in the world could that happen? In one breath, he says, worms are going to destroy this body. And in the next, he says, in my flesh, I'm going to see God. That doesn't make sense. Apart from one thing, resurrection. See, that's the first R, the reason. John said in Revelation 26, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now, next week, we'll deal with the second resurrection. There are two, and they're separated by at least a thousand years. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy. He wants not only to receive us, he not only wants to reward us, but he wants to resurrect us and make these bodies like his own body, free of sickness, free of pain. He wants to show that he has conquered it all through his cross and through his power. And he's going to bring us up, even out of the grave. Hallelujah. Boy, when I go to a cemetery, I walk carefully. Because you never know. If the dead in Christ are going to rise first, I don't want to be standing over top of anybody and get mowed down. I try to walk in between, you know, make sure it should be the moment but I'm not going to bother anybody. <laughs> uh, your mind probably doesn't work that way, but I'm weird. And I just expect it's going to happen any day. Hallelujah. Well, there's the reason. What about the reunion? John said we're going to see Christ. Now, we have seen him by faith, right? And all of us have tried to envision what he looks like. Salzman painting is, is beautiful, but I don't know if that's the way he looks. I, I doubt it. I don't know that anybody can really conjure up what Jesus must look like. But I can't wait to see him. He is the thing to be desired above all other things. And we're going to see him. And no longer will we have to talk about faith. Then we can talk about sight. Praise God. I just think I'm going to sit there for a thousand years and look at him. <laughs> but 
The reunion deals with more than just Jesus. It deals with everybody who ever died in the Lord. Have you ever thought about talking to Moses and asked why he broke all the commandments? He did, you know. He dropped them and broke them all. <laughs> and when you get angry, you're bound to break them. He got angry and he broke them all. I'd like to ask him about that. What he thought when he saw them all splashed at his feet. I'd like to ask Peter about his denial and his big mouth. I'd like to ask him, how in the world the Lord ever chose him? <laughs> I'd like to talk to Mrs. Peter and find out what kind of a husband he really was. <laughs> and I want to talk to his mother-in-law. I'd like to ask Paul what it was like just before the guillotine cut his head off, what he felt like when he said, I fought a good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. <laughs> I'd like to talk to Jonah and see how it was down there in the seaweed, in the belly of the great fish. Wouldn't you like to ask him about that? I've never had that joy. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep from it. <laughs> but I'd like to ask him. And if Balaam made it, I'd like to ask him why he talked to that donkey like he did. That was kind of stupid, talking to a donkey. But beyond that even... Have you thought about fellowship with those who have gone on before? My dad, I haven't seen him since I was 12. The last word he ever said was, Jesus. So I know where he is. Three months after he died, his mother died, my grandmother. She was a dear lady. She called me over to her bed before she died. Talk to me. Never forget. I'm going to see Grandma. I haven't had grandparents for years and years, but I'm going to see them again. And I have buried hundreds of people that I have pastored. And you know what? I'm going to see them again, and they're going to say, I didn't like what you said at my service. <laughs> Maybe. I, you know, I don't know. But it's too late then, anyway. Reunion, have you thought about it? Oh, man, there have been some great meetings through history. Standing there at the edge of the Red Sea with all the Egyptians trying to swim. <laughs> Miriam sings. They all dance. They sing to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. What a meeting on the other side. Two million plus Israelis rejoicing while the Egyptians are perishing. What a meeting. <laughs> David dancing before the ark of God in 2 Samuel 6. They hadn't seen that ark in Jerusalem for years. And here it's coming back, the symbol of the presence of God. David danced before the Lord with all his might. David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. What a meeting, what a meeting. 2 Chronicles 7, Solomon dedicates the temple and the glory of the Lord came upon the people. And the presence of God was so strong, the priests couldn't even minister. What a meeting. Give us more meetings like that, Lord. What about the Sermon on the Mount? What a meeting. Jesus giving all those great words. And the feeding of the 5,000, which was more like 25,000 because the 5,000 were just men. What a meeting! And he fed them all, and the disciples took a basket full of food away each when it was all over. Talk about a Sunday meal. What a meeting. And what about the day of Pentecost? 
tongues of fire, wind, conversions, power. What a meeting, but it does not compare with the meeting of meetings when we shall arise to meet our blessed Lord in the air with all of those from every century of time who have named his name, who are going to be with us. And you talk about a hallelujah chorus. Oh, wow. The altos and the sopranos and the basses and the tenors, millions of them joining in singing, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Millions of them in the reunion. Oh, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. What a meeting. Last Sunday, a group here sang the old song. I just loved it. There's going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet by and by. Part of that song says, such music you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. T'will be glorious, I do declare. For God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. Hey, it's going to happen. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord and all of those who have gone on before us. And we'll never part again. We'll be forever with the Lord. That leads us to point three, the readiness. I must ask you a question. Are you ready? Right now, this moment, are you ready? If Jesus Christ should return right now, would you be ready? Ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. Ten church members, put any title on them you want. Half ready, half not ready. Why were half not ready? They were taken up with the things of this world. They didn't have oil. They were too busy to get oil. They were too busy to build up a supply. They didn't have time for Sunday night church. They didn't have time for Bible study. They didn't have time for the prayer meeting. They didn't have time to witness. They were just busy, busy, busy. But five took time to have oil, a supply. They'd been to Sunday night church, and they'd gotten all filled up, just like we did last Sunday night. Ooh, it was glorious. They took time for the Bible study. They took time for personal prayer and devotion. They gave to the Lord what was his. But the other, oh, they wanted a little, they'd give maybe, a, how about 5%, Lord? That's better than nothing. Or maybe an hour a week, Lord, you know how busy I am. Jesus says, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, 
the Son of Man cometh. That's his answer. Be ye also ready. Simeon and Anna watched for his first coming. They were aged, and when they saw him, our eyes have beheld his glory. And they were able to die. The one they had waited for had come. We should be looking for his second coming like they were looking for his first coming. Many a bank cashier has been kept from becoming dishonest for fear the bank examiner may drop in at any moment. And a lot of us should be kept from dishonesty and sin and frivolity with this idea that he's coming at any moment and we must be ready and we dare not disappoint him. Be ye also ready. Warning comes to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Hear it. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Revelation 16, 15, Jesus said, I am coming as a thief. And a thief doesn't pick up a phone and say, hey, neighbor, 30 minutes from now, you're going to get it. I'm going to take your valuables. He's coming as a thief. Be ye ready. Now, what is the great biblical key? I think God has given us a key. Here it is in Matthew 24, verse 37. Here's the key. If you want a key, here it is. Are you ready? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, you can really tie into that. As it was in the days of Noah. Well, how was it in the days of Noah? It was permissive. One word, permissive. It was a permissive society that was so busy in their permissiveness playing God that they laughed at the man of God who was preparing for judgment. But when the whole scenario is over, who's the winner? The one who prepared. For 120 years, the one who built the ark for the saving of his house. And God shut the door when it was time to go in. Now, there are people today, some of you watching by television, who mock and laugh and you say, well, I'll just take my chances. God's a God of love. He won't damn anybody to hell. Listen, when Noah went into the ark, God shut that door, mister. And when God shuts the door, nobody opens it until he says so. You're dealing with finality when you deal with God. God shut that door in Noah's day. The coming of the Lord is the same thing. It's kind of a finality. It says, that's it. The day of grace is past. Are you ready? Pick up that telephone and call right now and ask somebody to pray with you. Do it right now. Don't play games with God. It's dangerous. God loves you. Let him minister his love and his peace to your heart right now. Don't allow God to shut that door on you with the day of grace yet. 
We are on an immoral binge in America, and I honestly don't know if there's any hope. I don't see any hope in the natural. We are on an immoral binge. We license everything that should not be licensed. We give people the right to do whatever they want to do in violation of all of God's commandments. We are on an immoral binge until people don't even know what is right and wrong anymore. It's like it was in the days of the kings. Everybody did that which was right in his own eyes. You'll forgive me by telling you this, but one of my associates told me last night that down here in front, just a few Sundays ago, when we were having the prayer line and the anointing service, a young lady said to him, pray that I won't be pregnant. He said, what do you mean? Well, she said the other night, a male friend came to my house and just pray that I'm not pregnant. Well, he said, what are you talking about? Oh, she said, it's all right. Neither of us are married. There's no problem. He said to her, it's adultery. It's sin. Could you believe that in this enlightened society, people carry the book to church, hold it in their lap, and don't even know what it says? But that's the truth. We are on an immoral binge. We have been so deluded by this world, we don't even know what adultery is anymore. We don't even know what sin is. Now, I'm not standing here condemning anybody. If that young lady is here, I love her just as much as anybody. But I must use that as an illustration because even in the church of Jesus Christ, there is immorality, and God doesn't smile on it. We have clergymen in America who don't even believe in God. Incredible, but it's true. There is little self-denial and cross-bearing left in our society. If you're to follow Christ and be ready at his coming, neighbor, it's serious business. You don't just do it part-time. It's a full-time deal. You're on the full-time payroll if you've taken Christ into your life. You're to serve him with all your mind, with all your body, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's full-time business. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Be ye also ready. I don't care how many times you've joined the church. I don't care how much money you've given. It has nothing to do with readiness. Is your faith intact? Are you serving Jesus Christ today with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your body? Are you serving him with all you've got? That's what makes a person ready. Reason? He wants us to be with him. He wants to reward us, and he wants to resurrect us. Reunion? To be with him? To be with all those who have gone on before us who loved him. Powerful meeting and readiness. That's what we need to believe about the return of Christ. It's going to be that quick in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. 
You need to prepare now. During World War II, General of the Army Douglas MacArthur made one of the most famous statements ever made. He said, I will return. In October of 1944, he waded ashore from a landing craft to the beach of the island of Leyte in the Philippines, fulfilling his promise. He did return. Jesus Christ said years before MacArthur said it, I will return. Mark my words. He is going to return. And everybody gives an account of himself to God. Are you ready? He is coming back. I read about an eagle who was hungry, flying high in the sky with that eagle eye, looking for prey. He saw it. He swooped down to an icy river where a dead carcass was floating downstream. The eagle landed upon that beast, put its talons in it, and began to gorge himself on the meal. Occasionally, he would lift his head to hear a noise in the distance, but would go back to his eating until finally he realized that he was near a falls and that he needed to get out of there because that carcass was going to go over the falls. And so it lifted its mighty wings, expecting to go up, only to discover it could not move, for its feet had frozen into the dead carcass in that icy river, and try as it might, that eagle could not raise itself from that carcass. And the two of them went over the falls, and that eagle perished in the falls, unable to die. That is the kind of a moment I push my chair back and I say, Oh, God. Help me to make this real to my people. It is possible to get your feet so fixed on things in this earth that when the day comes when we should be soaring and rising, we are so frozen to things that it will be impossible for us to rise to meet the Lord. And we're going to go over the brink. That's why Paul said, I count all things but loss that I might win Christ. Are you ready? Are you right now ready? Is the magnet of salvation firmly fixed in your heart? so that when the magnet of heaven lowers itself in proximity to earth, you're going to go up to meet the Lord and the two magnets meet. Or has the life all gone out? The first love all drained away? Purpose and meaning is just all that is around you rather than what is above you. 
One thing I know for sure. He's coming. And one thing I know for sure. It's dead serious business. And we'd better be ready. We'd better give him our hearts. Let's do it. What do you say? Shall we pray? Dear Jesus, in this solemn and sacred moment, may your Holy Spirit zero in upon humankind once again in mercy, where we have strayed and erred and fallen away. Save us. Redeem us. We grasp your cross. We take hold of salvation. While our heads are bowed, we are respecting one another's privacy in this moment. May I ask how many of you in this service are ready today? You know you are ready to meet Jesus should he come today. Would you raise your hand? Just slip it right up. I know I'm ready, Pastor. Thank God for the gospel. Thank you. Could you raise your hand at home? I'm ready. If not, I'm asking now for you to raise your hand and say by that hand, Pastor, I want Jesus in my life. I want to be ready. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I want to know. Would you pray for me? Raise your hand right now. Raise it up. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I see hands going up all over this building. God bless you. I see hands in almost every section. So many. God bless you. Yes, back here. God bless you way back there. God bless you over here, over here. Yes, way to the right, up in the balcony up there. God bless you. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Tell you what, with heads bowed, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I do want to ask you who raised your hand to look up now. Look at me if you raised your hand. Everybody else's head will be bowed. You raised your hand. I'd like you to look at me. Thank you. Back there, yes, look at me all over, look at me. I want you to do something, and please understand, I love you. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I want you to stand and move over to the aisle and come down and stand with me here so that I can pray with you right here. Would you do that? Just get up and move to the aisle. Don't be embarrassed. Hundreds have come before you. God bless you who are moving now. Please know that I care about you. That's why I want you down here. God bless you, buddy. That's a bold act. God bless your heart. Thank God for these that are coming. God bless you, dear. Hi. God bless you. How are you, buddy? God bless you. God bless you. Why are you crying? Feel the Spirit of God in your heart, don't you? You want to be ready. Thank God you're here, buddy. His Spirit just flowing into you right now. Just take all he's got. Take all he's got. Every bit of pardon. It's all there. Hallelujah. God bless you, dear. So glad to see you here. Look at all of these folk. God bless them. Young people. Young people need Jesus too, don't they? Ah, oh, yes. I'm glad I gave my life to him when I was young. God bless you, buddy. How are you? God bless you. Jesus loves you. So do I. More than I can ever tell you. God bless you.